Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. I'm really happy to be here, being with all of you. We love Houston Center Center. Uh, my name is, as as a Tonto Sunset, Zenshin Greg Fang. Please call me Greg. And my partner Linda and I have been coming to Houston Zen Center uh, from the get-go, 2004. Um, very dear friends with Thank you so much for inviting us. Thank you so much for inviting me to give this talk. This, um, I think we, we didn't, no, no, we didn't make it last year. I think that's the first time we haven't been to uh, what I often refer to as my second sangha. And now, Linda and I are newly retired from San Francisco Zen Center, and we are now traveling teachers. We are, we are on a journey, this next stage in our um, life of practice together. We were recently about three weeks in Austin Zen Center, very delightful time. Wow, so happy to be here, despite the fact that uh, just getting a brutal case of bronchitis. So if I cough, I feel armed. I'm so much better. <laughs> and I, um, uh, after, after our New Year's celebration, Lynn and I will be continuing on to New Orleans and practicing for a longer time at Mid-Cities End in New Orleans. We'll be meeting a practice period there this spring. I would also like to say what I always say when I give a Dharma talk, which is to thank and acknowledge my teacher, Sojin Mel Weissman Roshi, the old Buddha of the East Bay, uh, almost uh, three years, will be three years on dinner since left us. Uh, I miss him every day. And to say that this talk is just to encourage you in your practice. Um, so Happy New Year. Happy New Year, everybody. I, I feel uh, it's really auspicious to be giving this talk on New Year's Eve. Kind of writes itself. No, not really. But, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, uh, New Year, new beginnings. I think people generally around the world feel this. People often make New Year's resolutions, right? Want to uh, have a fresh start. 2024, let's have a fresh start. Of course, in Soto Zen, we're constantly renewing our practice together over and over again. Uh, beginner's mind, we say. But there's this thing, you know, we refer to as a Dharma gate. And the new year is a Dharma gate, I think, for many, many, many people. I myself, Came to came back to practice in earnest with a, a real commitment in January of 1996. I entered my home temple, Berkeley Zen Center, in the San Francisco Bay Area, and it wasn't a New Year's resolution, but yeah, um, it was the beginning of January, and I was like, okay, this is it. I I, I really I had been practicing. Zen off and on, actually since I was 19. But uh, that was like, yeah, I think I want to really make a commitment. And it stuck. 
<clears throat> so uh, this morning, I may or may not talk about renunciation, uh, which is, uh, I think, in the spirit of the new year and new beginnings. We'll see what happens. I was I was born under the, the zodiac sign of Cancer the Crab, and you know the crab gets where they're going by walking sideways. <laughs> 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 I am sometimes such a person. In speaking of beginnings, I would like to introduce a text that goes way back, way back. probably as far as I know, and I'm not a scholar. I am not a Buddhist scholar. I am not an academic. As far as I know, it's got to be one of the oldest extant texts in Buddhism called the Dhammapada, which could be translated as the path of truth. Um, it goes all the way back to the third century before the common era. So that's pretty old. <clears throat> the amazing, wondrous Dharma treasure trove which is the Houston Zen Center Library, has no less than 12 translations of the Dhammapada. How about that? So if you want to get into some extensive study, it's there. I chose this translation by Juan Mascaro from 1973, Penguin Classics. I chose it for a very good reason, because I like it. Uh, but, you know, all kidding aside, this translation is uh, the one that speaks to my heart. So, I want to, I would like to read the opening verses of the Dhammapada and talk a little bit about them with the permission. I have bookmarked. Okay. What we are today comes from our thoughts of yesterday, and our present thoughts build our life of tomorrow. Our life is the creation of our mind. If a person speaks or acts with an impure mind, suffering follows them as the wheel of the cart follows the beast that draws the cart. What we are today comes from our thoughts of yesterday, and our present thoughts build our life of tomorrow. Our life is the creation of our mind. If a person speaks or acts with a pure mind, joy follows them as their own shadow. They insulted me, they hurt me, they defeated me, they robbed me. Those who, sit, those who think such thoughts will not be free from hate. They insulted me, they hurt me, they defeated me, they robbed me. Those who think not such thoughts will be free from hate. For hate is not conquered by hate. Hate is conquered by love. This is a law eternal. I hope I didn't read that too fast. So um, this is pretty clear, easy to understand. What we are today comes from our thoughts of yesterday. Our thoughts, our mind, creates our life. 
the life we live. <clears throat> and whether it will be suffering, hateful thoughts, despairing thoughts, or joy, compassionate thoughts, loving thoughts, it's up to us. The choice is ours. What we do. That's why we're always talking about practice in Buddhism. Zen. Always practice. <clears throat> so, uh, there's another really good book in the Houston Zen Center Library that I love very much, as did my teacher, Sojin Mel Whitesman. Sojin Roshi came back to this book over and over. The Heart of the Buddhist Teaching by Thich Nhat Hanh. How I wish I could have his copy of The Heart of the Buddhist Teaching because Sojin Roshi was very much given to marginalia. He wrote in books a lot. So I would really like to see what he wrote in his copy. <clears throat> Throughout The Heart of the Buddhist Teaching, off and on, I looked it up in the index, and there was uh, many, many references all through the book. Thich Nhat Hanh talks about Bijan, or seeds, seeds of potentiality in our consciousness. This comes from a system of Buddhist psychology called the Abhidhamma, which I can recommend as a framework or model for studying consciousness. It's pretty effective in my opinion. Again, <laughs> I must reiterate that I am no scholar, so I am not gonna break it all down and get into the nuts and bolts of it. Um, but, you know, I think in short, taking Nhat Hanh's point, this teaching is that we all have many myriad potentialities within us. Um, he speaks of the alaya consciousness, storehouse consciousness, which could be understood as our collective subconsciousness, perhaps, perhaps. Uh, where all these potentialities exist. Tikhanha says, you might be a very loyal person. You have characteristics of loyalty. You have been watering the seeds. He talks about that a lot. A lot. You, 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 we get to choose which seeds we're going to water and which seeds we're not going to water. So you've been watering the seeds of loyalty. Great. But don't go thinking. You don't have the seeds of betrayal in you. You do. No. I always have all these potentialities within us. Okay. So, in, uh, in my opinion, I could even say in my experience, Zazen, you know, what we do, what we were just doing a little while ago, sitting together as a community, Zazen uh, seated meditation is a mirror to consciousness. It will show us our minds. I often say my Zazen instruction in five words is stay present for whatever arises. <coughs> and given time, 
Everything will rise. Yes. I've had practice discussions, you know. Uh, I was, uh, as, as a Tato Sang said, I was head of practice at Tassajara Zen Mountain Center, uh, San Francisco Zen Center's uh, monastery in the mountains of Big Sur, California, in the beautiful Antana Wilderness, Esalen Tribe of America. I recommend if you get a chance to visit, do so. It's such a beautiful place. Anyway, I, I, I was, <laughs> I don't know why or how it happened, but I, <laughs> I happened to be head of practice there for nine and a half years. <clears throat> I still think that's a little odd. But that means, you know, I've had a lot of practice discussions with many, many people. So many, especially in the summer, summer students, new students, people kind of uh, new to practice, new to, you know, you, you, you don't, we don't actually require that you have any experience at all. Uh, see the meditation. Come and be a student at Tassajara in the summer. And, you know, big part of my job is to help people guide them. You know? And sometimes people will say, I can't believe the thought that I had. I can't. I was sick. And, and then this thought came in my mind. It was like, what? I can't believe I had that thought. Uh, gosh, I'm not that person. Well, you know, of course you're not. Of course you're not. However, we, we do all have these seeds with us. And in my experience, and as a consequence of these many, many practice discussions, what, I, what I've discovered is that Zazen never shows us things we're not ready for. Isn't that interesting? You know, when you're ready, you need to see. If you're not ready, that's okay. You just keep practicing. This is due to the Buddha's tender mercy. I think so. <clears throat> Suzuki Roshi used that kind of language a lot. The Zazen is gentle with us. And we must be gentle with ourselves. Very important. But um, a great 20th century Zen teacher to propagate Soto Zen in Europe, Deshimaru Roshi, once said, I don't see any evil in the world that I don't see in myself. Hmm. Pretty heavy statement. Another great 20th century Zen teacher, Kodo Sawaki Roshi, said, my zazen includes everything. It includes Mao. It includes Truman. That's a pretty heavy statement coming from a Japanese gentleman, given that it was Harry Truman who took responsibility for the decision to drop an atomic bomb on Japan. But what am I getting at here? This Williams to stay present for whatever arises. This willingness to examine our own consciousness and all life, everything, cultivates understanding. 
this is a very good way, in my opinion, to cultivate understanding, to understand where others are coming from, understand what other people may be going through, to practice putting yourself in another person's shoes, which is one of the four sublime emotions. And it's Buddhism is full of lists, you know. But that's uh, our founder in Japan, A.A. Dogen, wrote a fascicle or essay called The Bodhisattva's Four Methods of Practice. It's very popular. They are giving, kind speech, compassion, and what's variously translated as identity action or doing the same thing or I would say being, being able to put yourself in another person's shoes. Understand. Understand where another is coming from. Understanding that no matter how much difficulty you have, no matter how much you may be confused or upset, bothered, Fundamentally, we are one life together. I think that's pretty important. Given, shall we say, the state of current events. Do I have to go into detail? <laughs> I'd rather not, to be honest. I, I look at the news too much. I do. I confess it. I don't think it's good for me. Tim talks a lot about, you should be careful about what kind of nourishment you take in. I think I pay too much attention to headlines. A dear friend of mine, chief of the Esalen tribe, the shaman, Tommy Little Bear Mason, that's where I come from. He said a shaman once told him to pay attention to the headlines. Tommy told him, you should, you should know what's going on in the world. You should study the things. And told him to take it up as a practice. I think uh, if I were to encounter that same shaman, he would tell me, cut it out. <laughs> Stop. It's too much. <laughs> There's a lot of misunderstanding. There's a lot of hatred. Sorry, I didn't <clears throat> oh, yeah, here we go. <clears throat> Verse 5. For hate is not conquered by hate. Hate is conquered by love. This is a law eternal. An eye for an eye, can we all go blind? Right? So, um, sometimes you might hear people say, uh, they don't talk about love very much in Zen. A Zen teacher? Talking about love, but it's critical, and it is fundamental to Buddhist practice, the practice of metta meditation, metta being the Pali word for loving kindness. We chant the loving kindness meditation, or metta sutta, as part of our liturgy, and I and lately, lately, find myself really 
devoted to doing meta practice. To me, where I'm at in my personal practice, use such an expression, it's the most important thing. That's really all I want to do these days is practice meta, practice loving kindness. But that's the way I'm able. <clears throat> and, you know, my teacher, Soto Roshi, told me that his teacher, Suzuki Roshi, put a lot of emphasis on sitting zazen with a warm-hearted feeling. When you sit, it's not, yeah, don't, don't be a lump on a wall. No. You're alive. You're alive, breathing, living, breathing, heart beating, aware of all these things. Aware of your mind, aware of your consciousness, and cultivate a warm heart feeling. You've got to know that we are one life. So, yeah, renunciation. Remember, I said, getting back to. So she always used to say, I'm not interested in why. I'm interested in how. How it is. What is it I'm renouncing? When I was at Tassahara, I used to say, I'm renouncing unhappiness. Really, uh, the thing of all that I'm committed to renouncing is uh, they insulted me. They hurt me. They defeated me. They robbed me. Those who think such thoughts will not be free from hate. I would like to be free from hate. I want to practice loving kindness. I want to be free from hate. So I want to renounce those thoughts. Best I can. So tonight, we celebrate New Year's Eve in Buddhist fashion here. There's going to be a fire. I saw it in the foyer. There's already pieces of paper. We can write down the things we want to let go of and toss them in that fire. I, of course, spent a lot of years Kasahara and represents them. Yeah, there's always been fire. I've always had this practice. Sometimes I've done it, sometimes I haven't. Sometimes I've been serious about it, sometimes not so much. Tonight, I'm telling you, <laughs> I got some stuff to write down. <laughs> Put that in the fire. <clears throat> when I was a head student in Shuso at Tassawar in 2005, Sojourn University was leading the practice period, and he has something to say to us in the class. And it was so important to him that he had the Ajisha, his attendant, write it down on the blackboard. He said, when you let go of your old views, you give people a chance to change. When you do not let go, you are participating in the continuation of their faults. That's a rhyme. <laughs> this is what I want to renounce. This is what I'm going to write down. Cast into the fire tonight. Into this fire 
called We Are One Life. And of course, you can do that anytime. You don't have to wait till New Year's Eve. Do it. You're saying Zaza, and you have an afflicted thought. You cast that thought into the fire. It's called We Are One Life. Do it when you're driving, if somebody cuts you off. No. Resentment is not good for you. It's toxic. <laughs> Loving kindness and compassion are very good for good for humanity. Really so happy to join with this community of people who are dedicated to practicing loving kindness and compassion and joy, joy of practice. Just coming in the foyer, the fellowship, just radiating fellowship, feels so good. That's does I think so. Makes me very, very happy. So, yeah, as, as the uh, British author P.G. Woodhouse might have said, this is a good thing. It should be encouraged and jolly to all. Excuse me. I would like to close with my all time favorite Suzuki Roshi quote, which came from Dharma Talk he gave in San Francisco in 1969. I've read this quote quite a few times in other Dharma talks because I just love it so much. He said, But after you attain complete liberation from this world, without escaping from it, you will have all the money there is. (laughs) So there is no problem. If every one of us, oh no, one out of ten people have this kind of freedom. We will have no war, no social problems. We will all be happy. With this kind of understanding of practice, we practice zazen. This kind of understanding, this warm-hearted feeling. I love that he said, if everyone else, oh no, one out of ten. Just <laughs> <laughs> one out of ten. Can you imagine? I can imagine. And obviously, so could he. A better world is possible. We humans, <laughs> as the Buddha said, the Dhammapada, we create this life in our minds, in our thoughts, in our hearts. It's up to us to choose, find the life. Thank you so much. <laughs>